This is Eighth Day Encouragement, a recap of the Sunday service, offering hope and faith from the Church of the Holy Trinity, Manhattan. You can find us online at holytrinity-nyc.org. My former senior warden, Nancy Suggs, used to say, I know Jesus says I need to love my neighbor, but some days I just have to do it from across the street. Though Nancy could be incredibly funny, she was also usually very perceptive theologically. In the first scripture read on October 25th from Leviticus 19, Moses reminds the people of faith, you are called to be holy, just as the Lord your God is holy. But then rather than leave things abstract or spiritual, Moses gets very practical. He goes on, you shall not render an unjust judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. With justice, you shall judge your neighbor. He continues on, concluding with, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus is surely thinking of these words of Moses and the other Jewish teachings when he says in today's gospel, Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. To most of us, this can all sound daunting and undoable if we think that what Jesus means for love has to do with feelings. Frederick Beekner, in a great little book called Wishful Thinking, explains what Jesus is getting at. Beekner writes, In the Christian sense, love is not primarily an emotion, but an act of the will. When Jesus tells us to love our neighbors, he is not telling us to love them in the sense of responding to them with a cozy emotional feeling. You can as well produce a cozy emotional feeling on demand as you can yawn or sneeze. On the contrary, Jesus is telling us to love our neighbors in the sense of being willing to work for their well-being, even if it means sacrificing our own well-being to that end even if it means sometimes just leaving them alone. Thus, in Jesus' terms, we can love our neighbors without necessarily liking them. We're called to be holy, just as our God is holy, but that means manifesting holiness in simple, concrete, tedious ways. Though there are many, I think of three simple ways to try to begin to love our neighbor. The first is to resist slander. <clears throat> this is hard for most of us. It's hard for me. Whenever I'm with another person, the surest way to deepen that bond between me and the other is for us to talk about and agree on the defects of a third who's not with us. <laughs> to resist slander is to not go there to do the hard work of, of building a relationship with another person not based on negative talk about another person, not forwarding mindless gossip using social media, but thinking a moment before we speak or pass something on. 
A second way is to imagine our neighbor's pain. Now, this is not to imagine them in pain and derive pleasure out of that, um, but rather it's to, to pause for a moment and try to imagine what our neighbor goes through each day. Um, what keeps them awake at night? What worries them? What causes them heartache? It doesn't excuse the behavior or the speech of a neighbor we may disagree with, but it begins to move us toward a place of compassion and being able to love our neighbor. The third way is simply to pray for our neighbor's well-being. Again, we don't need to have warm, fuzzy feelings for the person to wish them the very best of God's blessings. And so by putting them in the presence of God, we can allow God to work with God's creation, just as God is always working with us. As children are taught in Sunday school, the cross of Christ has a vertical axis and a horizontal one. The verticality can remind us of the need for our relationship always to be there with God, while the horizontal axis reminds us of our connectedness with other people and our responsibility to love our neighbor. Especially in these challenging days, may the Holy Spirit help us to love our neighbors, even when that love needs to be done through a computer screen, an email, a telephone call, or sometimes from across the street. The Holy Trinity Choir sings the haunting and contemporary anthem, Behold How Good and How Pleasant It Is, it's by the American composer Ned Roram, who was born in 1923. It's based on Psalm 133, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity.
You've been listening to Eighth Day Encouragement. The eighth day is a Monday after the seven days of the week, but the eighth day also stands as a new creation outside the pattern of the usual seven. And so the eighth day symbolizes resurrection, hope, and the possibilities for new life. I'm John Bedingfield, the priest and rector at the Church of the Holy Trinity, Manhattan. I hope you'll come and visit us in person one day, but you can also worship with us through Facebook Live, follow us on YouTube, and learn more at holytrinity-nyc.org. God bless you this week and always.